It had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Could make me be true. Snap out of it. Could make me be your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. Lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host. Oh, actually, you have a different host this week. I'm your host, David Giannini. In uh, each episode, I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romantic comedies from classics to modern hits. And my guest today is none other than the actual host of the show, Manish Mathur. So, Manish, how are you today? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Yes, of course. Yes. Um, so I'm really excited to just kind of jump into this. And I think we're both big fans of this movie. Well, why don't you tell us the movie we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the 1989 Rod Ryder movie, When Harry Met Sally, starring uh, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal and um, Carrie Fisher and the late Bruno Kirby, uh, written by Nora Ephron, one of my absolute favorite romantic comedies, probably the number one romantic comedy in my life. It's kind of hard to argue with that. So and we're kind of uh, kind of flipping the script a little bit. I'm going to be hosting yeah. the show. And the reason we're doing that is kind of twofold. One, this is the 20th episode of It Pod to Be You. You, everyone doubted you. No one thought you would get to 20 episodes. <laughs> but here you are. And also, you know, wrong. <laughs> there's, there's a little selfishness here, right? It's just kind of like, I don't want anyone else to grab this movie. I need I need to be the guest on this show. So it's nice that you get to talk about one of your favorites. And I would argue that this is not only the greatest romantic comedy of all time, but also like this belongs on, you know, top 20, top 50 lists just in general. I think this yeah. is just a fantastic movie. And I think sometimes it gets... It gets a little short shrift because it it is a it's it's a it's a rom com it's a chick flick but this is like I was watching it again and I probably watched this movie ten times now and like man this is an enjoyable sit like there's not there's no fat on this movie it just kind of flies by I was surprised when I put it in and I was like oh man this movie's only in like an hour and a half because it feels so full which you don't get with a lot of rom coms. Yeah, because, I mean, like, what I love about this movie, and, like, I think what it always um, always gets to me is, like, how it encompasses, like, a lot of, like, their lives, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, it starts in 1977 when they're probably, like, 22, 23, and it ends in, the obviously, 1989, or at least 88, mm-hmm. when they're, like, in their, getting to their mid-30s. So it just feels like... Or maybe the very beginning of 1989, since it does end on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, right. right? Exactly, yeah. (laughs) yeah. So um, it's just like, it feels like there's so much life to it because there's like, they experience so much. They have so many like ups and downs in their romantic life and their friendship with each other. So like, it's just like the reason why like this movie feels so full, I think is just because like they, like Nora Ephron, really packs in, like, a lot. And she really effectively uses montages 
mm-hmm. which is something that like romantic comedies kind of like rely on as a crutch. I mean, we kind of talked about this, um, or I sorry, I've talked about this on this podcast before, um, in that like, you know, like fault like it, often like kind of hacky romantic comedies will just like throw in a montage to show people like falling in love as a like, shorthand. But I think with this movie, she does it really well in um, showing, like, the passage of time. So it feels mm-hmm. like we got, like, a full 12 years um, right? in this movie, even though, like, it's only, like, yeah, like, an hour and a half or, like, 95 minutes. It's, I mean, I feel so basic saying this because, like, I know it's, like, such a, like... It's a classic, especially in the genre, but, like, it's, like, one of my favorite movies. And I think it's, like... It's one of those movies that I think is so good that I think people don't know how good it is you know what i mean yeah. like it's just gonna yeah, kind of just like i also think sometimes yeah. when movies are like feel good when they like you know when they just kind of zip along like that sometimes people like well it can't be good because i didn't right. have to like suffer through it it wasn't an effort like sometimes a great movie can also be really fun to watch you know this is one of one of those examples yeah and like um i I also feel like this movie is really um, sharp in its like observations about mm-hmm. like this this kind of phase of you know your life when you're like um, I don't know, like when you're just like in and out of relationships and you're just like figuring it out and I feel like every time I, I come back to this movie which is like at least once a year if not more than once a year like it speaks to me in a different way because of, like, my own experiences. Like, I relate to, like, different parts of it. Like, uh, when I watched it um, for this podcast, I really related to Sally in a way that I had never really before. Even though, like, Meg Ryan is probably my, like, MVP of this movie, and I think she's, like, without her, like, it would just not... It wouldn't work at all. But I really related to her because, like, there's just so many things that she was saying and doing and experiencing that I was like, oh, my God, hello, me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like, couldn't even watch it. It was, like, so, like, um, so close to, like, my own experiences. And uh, because I've always thought of myself as, like, a Harry mm-hmm. in, in some really weird ways, even though, like, we're not that similar in like how like neurotic I mean I guess I I don't know I guess I'm neurotic I don't know but like, he's very like very cynical which I don't think I am in general especially when it comes to like my personal relationships that I was related to him but like this time I was like oh my god I'm so Sally <laughs> <laughs> so that actually brings me to like one of the questions I wanted to ask you is like yeah. you know of course this is one of your favorite movies what's your what's your history with it like how did you first come to when Harry met Sally and how is that and you kind of already talked a little bit about how you've changed a little bit in in your viewings and your kind of yeah. repeated viewings so I remember exactly the first time I saw this movie and it was in my sister's apartment when she was in law school in Baltimore. And I okay, I'm trying to remember the year because I believe it was 2004, 2005. So I was actually like older, um, an older teen. I was probably like at least um, 14 to 16. And like I had seen the movie like in passing, like I knew of it. Just from, like, television, because I feel like it always plays around Christmas or, like, Thanksgiving or Valentine's Day. So, like, I remember, like, seeing, like, 
snippets of it and like it had been like in my consciousness as like this is a movie to watch but i didn't see it for the first time until i was staying with my sister and um she had the dvd in her apartment and i was kind of just waiting for her to get back from like her job or from school and uh it was just like put it on or maybe we were watching it together at night and like i remember just um being so like amazed that like this movie could be so like funny and that like they could like do the things that they had done because i i wouldn't say i was a very sheltered kid but like i like didn't really watch r-rated movies until i was like very close to being old enough like i wasn't Mm -hmm. the kind of kid that would like kind of sneakily watch like r-rated movies i like i was very much into like kids movies and like teen movies and i like i watched like um more like age-appropriate movies when I was like in that age, and so I like I remember exactly watching the fake orgasm scene, which we'll probably spend like a good hour on. Right. Um, I remember watching that scene and being like, "Wow, they can get away with this!" Like she's right. like, I was like, "What is she even doing?" Like I've, I mean, <laughs> I, back then I had never seen that ever, and still have not seen that in real life either. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I was just like, wow. And then I remember, like, just it was just one of those movies that I just, like, kept with me. And, like, I bought the DVD myself. I took it to college. And I watched the movie a lot. And, like, I it was, like, one of those things where I was, like, showing it to people as if I had discovered it. And they were like, Manish, like, my mom has watched this movie a million times. <laughs> like, this is, like, a canonical movie, not something you just discovered. But... Um, so it just like I just kept going back to it and I would say that this movie is very special to me because of um, you know like it was one of the first romantic comedies that I ever saw where I like understood like what that meant as a genre Mm -hmm. and like um, it was very formative for me in that regard and um, like Nora Ephron along with um Nancy Myers, both like very instrumental to me in terms of like the kind of movies that I liked and like what I looked for in movies and like how I can um, like how I can appreciate a movie like this just beyond like the simple pleasure of like watching a good romantic comedy and like so for me yeah like when Harry Met Sally is definitely something that like I had just with me throughout high school and college and like. I realized, like, I hadn't really seen it in, like, a while, Um, like, up until a couple years ago. Like, I think, like, during, like, the kind of late 2000s, I, like, didn't really watch it as much as I had had done so, like, in college. But um, now, like, I just got, like, the new Blu-ray that came out, like, earlier this year, and, like, it just feels like a whole new movie because, like, A, the restoration is gorgeous, and B, and just, like... I've, like, dated more, like, I've had more life experiences, you know, like, when you're in high school, like, you know, like, living in New York just feels so, like, alien, you're just, like, like, what is this life that people are living, (laughs) but, like, now that I'm kind of, like, I'm, like, close to their age, actually, I'm probably at their age, you know, being 30, Mm -hmm. so I'm, like, oh, wow, like, this is actually, like, real like even though like they're in such a like different place than i am obviously like they're it's the 80s they're like a lot wealthier than i am and like they live in like nicer apartments than i do but i'm like it's still the same kind of thing so um and they're both white of course but like um so yeah i mean this movie is just like i like can't 
I like can't even articulate like why it's a special. It's just like a really just important movie for me. Yeah. I think one of the things I picked up on when you were talking is this idea of there are there are movies out there that we just we want to share with people, right? There are some yeah. movies that like we love so much that like I just want to watch this by myself. But when Harry Met Sally is one of those movies, you're like, have you seen this? You have to see this. Like, and of course, it's like one of the most well known romantic comedies <laughs> of all time. Everyone's seen it, but you do feel that need to just you know, share, literally share the love. Like this is one of those movies. There's like probably 10 to 20 movies out there where I'm like, if this doesn't affect you, like, I'm not sure that you have a heart. Like, this is one of those movies. Like if this doesn't get to you, like, I don't, I don't even really know how to relate to you on any kind of human level because I was watching this, you know, and I've watched this dozens of times at this point over the years. And it was another one of, I'm, I'm also, I saw this in high school and I've kind of carried it with me throughout. And, you know, so I've seen all this movie has to offer, right? Like I've seen it so many times. And then that ending speech happens and I'm like a mess, like just immediately, like I was almost like half paying attention. And then that scene happened and I'm all of a sudden, like I'm crying and I'm like, Oh man, this is, this is this moment. It's just always, always, always going to get me like, you know, we could kind of jump around. But I think like, you know, the the two scenes that probably people remember the most are the fake orgasm scene and this last speech, Um, because this is I mean, I love romantic comedies. You know this. Obviously, you do, too. You have a whole podcast about them. But there is an artifice sometimes to the expression of love in romantic comedy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But this moment like feels so real. It's not a like, I love you. I'm going to love you forever. I want I want you to have my children. It's like that that moment of like, no, no, I really love you. Like I love the things that other people don't notice. And it's like what everyone is dying to hear from a person that cares about them. You know, and you and you totally get Meg Ryan's. It's I love that acting choice in that scene after he says it because you very easily could just like fall into his arms and make out and everything's great. But I love that her original reaction to that is like, how dare you? Like, yeah. how dare you be this wonderful when I hate you so much? Because I do. You know, it's that thin line thing. Like that scene yeah. is just one of the greatest scenes ever filmed. Like it's just perfect. Yeah, so I watched this movie with the commentary um, last night with Rob Reiner, uh, Nora Fran, and um, um, Billy Crystal, and it, they like meant, they specifically mentioned that like they wanted or they were like glad that like her her saying "I love you" was her saying "I hate you," and they really liked that, and like they. Um, we're really proud of like that final scene and um, which they should be because like, you're absolutely correct. Like it's probably like the best declaration of love scene of all time. And it's like, it's so, it's so perfectly designed because like, it's all the things that she probably has like doubts about herself and like probably things that other guys that she's met have been like okay this is like like these are actually like you know like Seinfeld type deal breakers where it's like you're always cold I can't you know what I mean like that kind of thing but it's like for him it's like the things that he loves about her and it's like it's not like I love you in spite of these things it's like I love you because these things and like even though they're like objectively annoying or whatever it's like (laughs) part of what makes you so endearing to me and like I was like reading I was reading like half like 
half star, like one star reviews on Letterboxd, which is an activity You're I really like to You're just trying to get yourself angry. You're just trying to work well, yourself up. <laughs> yeah, because like I like to do it for movies I love, just to like see what people don't like about them. And like a lot of these negative reviews are like so like not even like they're not even reviews. They're just like people projecting their own like biases or whatever. Uh, like a lot of it was like cute for romantic comedy, but not my thing. One star, and I'm like, well. If it's cute for romantic comedy, that means it's almost successful at what it's trying to do. So it should be like a three or four star movie, but whatever. And like a lot of um, a lot of these reviews actually were saying that this movie was like misogynistic and that it was like sexist against um, like Ryan's character Sally. And then I remember this article. I believe it was in the Atlantic. Um, and it was basically about like the label of like high maintenance and how it's like the kind of like the kind of like sexist label that like men can put on women and you can't really like defend yourself against that label because like once once it's kind of decided you're that like anything you try to do to say you're not will just seem like defensive so like mm-hmm. it's kind of like um kind of like a like a lose-lose game for women because they're like we can't be high maintenance because it's bad we can't say we're not high maintenance because it looks like we're just saying that you know and it's like um and i was thinking about that article because i think it's an interesting point but i also think that like i never thought that like sally's character was supposed to be anything but totally endearing and lovable like she might be you know picky or whatever but i always found that that to be a it seemed like a very attractive trait on her because I mean, Meg Ryan, of course, is cute as a button and fabulous. And Sally herself is like, I mean, an absolutely wonderful character. And like, considering she's like heavily based on Nora Ephron, I mean, Nora Ephron's basically writing herself. I'm like, I don't think it's supposed to be like portrayed as like um, a negative quality or anything. I think it's supposed to be like, this is who she is. And she's like, quite charming for it so i don't know do you have any thoughts about that yeah i do i think uh <laughs> hmm, how do i say this nicely i think people who find this movie misogynistic maybe haven't watched it um i yeah. think one you're right that she is in a lot of ways she is the lead here right yeah. we are focused on her and there's the whole sequence where Harry just loses his mind and starts screaming at everybody after it's the wagon wheel table. Uh, yeah, scene. yeah. And th- and they get into a screaming match outside. And I don't think this movie judges Sally for the way she's handling things. I think it more judges Harry. Yeah. Like he is like he always puts up this front. Like I know exactly what to do. You should do it like this. If I was you, I'd do it like this. And then you realize he is turning all this in on himself, and it's becoming toxic. And he can't even function like he sees his ex in the real world. And it's like his not only his day, but like his month is ruined, you know, and they have that that heated discussion about like, well, you clearly haven't moved on. You haven't had sex with anybody. And her her reaction, which is pretty great. It's like you're going to have to move because you've had sex with everyone in New York and it's not doing you any not doing you any good. You know, I think this movie is. Um, I will make love when it's making love, not like how you do it, like you're out for revenge or something. Yeah. It's like that line just like shot, like shot right through me. As I was watching it this time, I was kind of thinking about it from like a form standpoint, 
Okay, so follow me here. In a lot of ways, like people always bring this up when you talk about romantic comedies, right? When you talk about the genre, you're like, oh, like When Harry Met Sally. But it really strangely doesn't fit into the genre. So the genre of rom-coms, usually what happens, you have two people, they have their meet cute, right? Yeah. Uh, they have their nice little moment, uh, which they don't really have here in the beginning. In the beginning, they hate each other. Um, and in most romantic comedies, like eventually there is a breakup and then there is a, some grand gesture, right? And then they get back together. And there is a grand gesture at the end here, but this, this movie really takes its time. There's not really a meet cute. Like they get in a car together and they immediately despise one another. Right. So I kind of love that, that it slowly builds this relationship. And I think that's why it works is that you do know these two people. And to the point of, I was also watching this thinking, you know, you have their friends, you have these kind of ancillary characters, but this really is a movie about Harry and Sally. And that's it. Like these other characters are real, but they're only there for moments and they're there to serve the plot of getting Harry and Sally together by the end of this movie. Right. That is what they're there for. And that scene where they yell at each other, I love that instead of him blowing up and leaving the movie pauses and he just says, are you done? Can I say something? And then he apologizes. Oh yeah. I was like, I was wowed by that because it's building to that point where you're just like waiting for something awful. Like he's going to call her a bitch and he's going to leave or he's going to throw something at her feet, blah, blah, blah. But no, he knows that he's being foolish and he knows that in a lot of ways, Sally is his check. His checks and balances are her. He's she's the only person who actually knows him. And that goes back to like there's a scene he's talking to Bruno Kirby where they're in the batting cage. and He's like, I can tell her anything. It's it's not like any relationship with a woman I've ever had. And like she is the only one who keeps him honest and he realizes it in that moment. And that to me, like when I first watched that, like this is the moment where I'm like, oh, these two really do belong together. Like that moment where right. instead of blowing up, he apologizes like a man in the late 80s in New York apologizing to a woman. This is like unheard of, but it all totally works. Right. And like what because like. I think the reason why this we can get away with something as radical as that, which like, I mean, radical might not be the appropriate word, but like, I, you know, it's it is somewhat unusual, is because they're like actually legitimately friends, mm-hmm. and like I think you know we're we're about like a half hour or so in. I think everyone's ready for my hot take on this movie. Um, okay. Because like this people, okay, because like one thing that I've read about this movie is that like. The movie actually proves Harry's like theory in the beginning that men and women can't be friends uh, because the sex gets in the way, correct, because they do end up together. But I think that actually the his theory is still proven false because what like when they're friends, like they're not he's he hits on her in the beginning when they're in the car, but like Throughout their like couple like their year or so of being friends, I don't think that like there's any like much sexual attraction. Like when they do sleep together, it's not because like they're they're like can't handle their attraction to each other, even though they're friends. It's because like you know she's in a vulnerable place and he's kind of you know taking her lead on what to do. So I feel like it's not so much that like I like. I don't think this movie thinks that men and women can't be friends. I think that it's like 
they had to become friends. And then when they were ready to become in a relationship with each other, then they were. But it's like they were still like it wasn't like it's was, it, I felt like it was a very genuine friendship when they weren't mm-hmm. seeing each other and like before they slept together and that it wasn't like he was like pining after her you know, like after his divorce when they were when they were like really getting close and she wasn't like interested in him and like they were dating other people with each other around. They're very honest with each other, very like sincere with each other and then like um it's like so yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think that like this movie proves that men and women can't be friends. Like I don't think that's what the takeaway from the movie is. But I don't know, maybe that's just like a really radical reading from me watching this movie too many times that I'm like, you know, no, I don't, like, know. I, don't I don't think it is uh, too off base. I, I, I mean, yeah. I'm sure some people would call that a hot take, but um, I think this movie, because it like, it is strangely realistic uh, for, yeah. <laughs> for a rom-com. Like it does. These do feel like real people. And I think that's why when you watch it, now and when you watched it then you relate to certain of these characters because they do feel like real individuals um so i don't think there's a simple answer to that question like whether his thesis is proved true or false because like you're right on one hand uh the sex did get in the way because like they ended up together uh but that if if they had never had sex, if that night where she broke down and he came over, if that never happened and they remained friends till the day they died and they got married to other people or stayed single, that friendship was real. I think it was yeah. the first time that Harry had a friendship with a woman where he didn't have ulterior motives. Like, I think right. he slowly realized he had feelings for her. He had romantic feelings for her, for sure. But, like, it didn't start out that way. And that is what kind of sets this relationship apart, is that, yeah. you know, he even says it earlier in the movie, like, oh, you no, even the ugly ones, you want to you want to have sex with them, too. Like, but you never got that feeling, and you'd seen that he had matured a little bit. And that's the other thing. You brought up the passage of time and i think that's the thing that this movie does remarkably well both in writing and in terms of the acting is that you know they they divide they divide this movie very specifically right they have these interviews with these older couples telling the stories of how they met and how they got together and then time passes but the performances are so different like it just makes me wonder like how much work they did and like oh what happened in this character's life between these two points because you really yeah. do feel that you know and it's not just different hair and it's not just different costume it's like these are people who have gone on a journey and become not a different person but a a more evolved person a more mature person and you really do feel that in the way they interact so going back to using the phrase ulterior motives is actually like that's what really stuck out to me because i think that like in the beginning, like, he, um, I think the reason why Harry has this theory is that because, like, in his mind at that age, being, like, 22, 23, like, guys do have an mature motive, but it's, like, as time goes on, like, guys mature, you know, women mature, and so um, I think, like, this movie does a really great job of, like, showing that, you know, transformation because, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, exactly like what you were saying, the performance style, like, you know, Harry becomes more, a little bit more jaded, but just more, a little bit more grounded. You know, Sally is still, um, I mean, she's always the more mature one, I guess, but she's, even she just feels like having had, like, actual life experience. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, that, like, the biggest kind of, um, 
like the biggest kind of like sign of her growth is like her understanding of Casablanca, which is like such a like yeah. small little joke that I just love is like when he kind of reminds her that she said that Ingrid. Bergman I would never would, say would, that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so great. And like, um, because to me, it's like, yeah, like Sally at 22 is probably very practical, very like uptight. Mm -hmm. So she would only see the movie as like, you know, what logically someone would do. But like, towards like, as she gets older, she's like realizing that like, like what, like what romance is actually like, looks like, you know, in the film. So yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, the passage of time is interesting. And like, I've always loved the idea of, of um, like, these two people, like, kind of meeting, um, like, in the kind of happenstance. I always find it very, like, very cute, very very lovely. Especially, like, I love the airport scene in the mm-hmm. beginning because, like, I love that he knows her boyfriend before he re- recognizes her. And, like, uh, I just uh, – it's just such a, like – fun little scene and like of course i've seen the airplane is like perfect i mean yes um and just like the way they keep just like sniping at each other even though they're not as hostile with each other as they were like on the car ride but like they still have that sort of like energy of this like Mm -hmm. exasperated Yeah, it's interesting that you read the airport scene that he recognized uh, the guy first, because the way I read it was that he recognized her, but he just couldn't bring himself to be like, oh, yeah, I actually remember you. You're actually someone who who is. Memorable. Yeah, yeah. So I instead, mean, he exactly. like he knows them both. And it's yeah. interesting that he chooses like this guy, Joe, who he, like clearly does not know that well. Like, it's just someone he kind of knows in passing. They know where each other work. And that's kind of it, because there's a moment yeah. where he kind of sidles up to them and he's and he's squinting his eyes. And to me, he's very clearly looking at her and he's right. putting it together, you know? Yeah, and, yeah and, that's true. I also um, love her moment of kind of like, oh, God, thank God he didn't recognize me. And, like, I'm watching it going, oh, but he did. Just you wait. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, like, um, I was, like, thinking about it through, like, what she says. Because she's, she's, like, right after he leaves, she's, like, thank God he didn't recognize me. <laughs> and we've all been so- there. We've all had that moment. Yeah. It is... I mean, I also think this movie is undervalued when it comes to the direction. Like, obviously, this is, I mean, to me, for my money, the best written romantic comedy of all time. Like, it's perfect. Like, there's yeah. no there's no weak spots. There's, it's like you said, it's only 95 minutes. It flies by and yet encompasses so much. Like, it's, it's just kind of a master class uh, in screenwriting. But also in directing, like I was watching it and the first scene where they they first walk into the restaurant together and they come off the road and he he basically says he accuses her of like never having had good sex in her life. And I love the fact that she yells back like what? Of course, I've had good sex. Like that's a reaction. And I love that, like the entire diner goes deathly quiet. Oh, like for perfect. that moment it's and it's just long enough for the comedic beat and then she walks forward and everyone keeps talking again and like it's just so perfectly blocked and staged and the whole movie is like that like there's not a lot of movement but when people move there's a reason for it you know what i mean like yeah. there is thought 
find every single moment in this movie. And I love that. Like the, the dialogue is really funny, but I think this movie falls a little bit flat if they play it up too much for laughs. And it's just like, just right. Yeah. I mean like this, um, they like this, we have a lot of like walking and talking, right? Like there's just a lot of, um, people in like, in like rooms or apartments, coffee shops, restaurants, but like, um, the way that Rob Reiner really like sets up his camera, like the way that he edits it all together and like how he's like blocking the actors, like it just has this like um there's a lot of like movement in the film, right? Like it's just very much like it just feels like things are always happening. Something's like um like there's always like little like like, he kind of catches kind of, like, little moments, little, like, either observations or reaction shots or something funny in the background. And um, hmm. so, yeah, like, I just feel like this movie has such a, like, keen visual sense, which is, like, I like I also feel like romantic comedies don't really get a lot of credit for their kind of visual element, you know, because a lot mm-hmm. of it has to do with writing and acting. But, like, for me, this movie just has this, this like, glowing kind of thing and like the um like the like the weather always has this like really like perfect uh, like uh, atmosphere for the film like uh, this movie just reminds me of like fall and like kind of like that like late summer to like winter feeling and um yeah, and like that shows really like a fair amount of subtlety, so well. right? Like yeah. a lot of movies, like either there's like no weather or all the weather. And right. this, like it does feel very lived in. Like it's so trite to say like, oh, New York is like a character in this movie. But it really is. Like it yeah. does feel very lived in. And it feel, and again, it helps that all these people feel like real New Yorkers. I mean, you should be the expert on that. You actually live in New York. I live very far away from New York. But this feels so, just so real and so tangible. And, like, they, I mean, they shot on location. Um, I mean, in the commentary, like, Rob Reiner says that, like, because, you know, Woody Allen, um, you know, pretty much shoots a lot of the same kind of area, like, kind of the Upper West Side, East Village area that's, like, very populated by, like, these, like, kind of, like, white, liberal, wealthy, elite people. Um, that's like it's it's like hard to find like locations that hadn't already been used by Woody Allen, but like um, I think this movie shows like I feel like there's like a few ways to like show New York. One is kind of the obvious way if they just like do like kind of the obvious locations. The other is just this like this way, which is just like these are just like real places that people go or like. Um, or maybe not like that real people go, but they just feel very natural and it doesn't feel like you're like showing off the city, which is why I think this is a great New York movie because this feels like um, it just has that like vibe, that like aesthetic mm-hmm. of just like, yeah, it's just people like living their lives, going to the like, bookshop, like going to restaurants and stuff. It doesn't feel like a travelogue, which makes it more of a travelogue. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It's interesting because. You know, there are very, actually very few moments in this movie that New York is called out by name or by structure. Like there's not, you know, there's not establishing shots, establishing shots of, you know, uh, Brooklyn Bridge or the, yeah. 
Exactly. Um, there's a couple mentions of the Mets and there's a New York Giants game going on, but like that's kind of it. But uh, even if you took those out, although I would never want to take out the don't fuck with Mr. Zero uh, I mean, sequence because because it is like the greatest cynical monologue in any romantic comedy. Like it's so good. I love the fact in that sequence that his friend is like trying to make him feel better. Like, ah, basically, like, it gets better. Like, yeah, whatever. He's still fucking my wife. Like, it's just, it's so yeah. blatant. And so, and you just usually don't hear language like that in uh, in a romantic comedy. And if you do, it's in, like, the first 15 minutes before the guy, you know, gets with the girl and changes. And, like, oh, now my life is good. I don't have to be or cynical. Or it's, like, kind of like a Judd Apatow, like, kind of, like, raunchy romantic comedy where it's, like, right. they're trying to, like, follow themselves and being, like, like naughty. Jess, Marie, do me a favor for your own good. Put your name in your books right now before they get mixed up and you don't know whose is whose. Because someday, believe it or not, you'll go 15 rounds over who's going to get this coffee table. This stupid wagon wheel Roy Rogers garage sale coffee table. I thought you liked it. I was being nice. He just bumped into Helen. you to know that I will never want that wagon wheel coffee table. I know, I know, I shouldn't have done it. Harry, you're going to have to try and find a way of not expressing every feeling that you have every moment that you have them. Oh, really? Yes. There are times and places for things. Well, the next time you're giving a lecture series on social graces, would you let me know? Because I'll sign up. Hey, you don't have to take your anger out on me. Oh, I think I'm entitled to throw a little anger your way. Especially when I'm being told how to live my life by Miss Hospital Corners. What's that supposed to mean? I mean, nothing bothers you. You never get upset about anything. Don't be ridiculous. What? You never get upset about Joe. I never see that back up on you. How is that possible? Don't you experience any feelings of loss? I don't have to take this crap from you. If you're so over Joe, why aren't you seeing anyone? I see people. See people. Have you slept with one person since you broke up with Joe? What the hell does that have to do with anything? That will prove I'm over Joe because I fuck somebody? Harry, you're going to have to move back to New Jersey because you slept with everybody in New York, and I don't see that turning Helen into a faint memory for you. Besides, I will make love to somebody when it is making love, not the way you do it, like you're out for revenge or something. Are you finished now? Yes. Can I say something? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And that's the other thing I love about this movie is that by the end of the movie, both of these characters are altered, but they're not changed drastically, right? Harry is still Harry. Sally is still Sally. They just work well together. Like, yes, he has finally admitted that he wants to spend the rest of his life with someone, and that's really great. But, like, he's still kind of a cynical dude in New York City. 
Like, I don't think he's, like, walking around being like, oh, everything is wonderful now. Right, and she's flowers. not, like, you know, his, like, shrew who, like, learns to, like, keep her hair down and, like, has right. to, like, do, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like she's, like, she's not, like, burdened by him either. Because I feel like right. a lot of romantic comedies like this would, like, make Sally just be like, oh, my God, like. You know, well, like, I mean, there's, to, like, there's, throw a whole, stuff. there's a whole, like, cottage industry of this now, yeah. right? With, like, every sitcom you ever see with, like, yeah. the beautiful wife who's, like, complaining about her lazy husband. Like, is, and I love that this is, that never comes into play here. Like, so yeah. by the time you reach the end of this movie and they're now sitting in the seats of the old couple telling their story, like, it still feels real. In that moment, it still feels like these are two people in love and the right people ended up together. And I think sometimes in romantic comedies, you're like, well, I have to root for this couple because they're the couple. Right. It's it's my only option. But in this, it's like, no, no, I really want these two these two fictional characters. If these two fictional characters don't get together, I'm going to be very upset. (laughs) It's just and it works like from opening frame to closing. So, like, I think, like, part of the reason why, you know, this movie has that, like, realistic, authentic feel to it is because a lot of it is, like, directly based off the lives of at least Rob Reiner, mm-hmm. Billy Crystal, and Nora Ephron. So, unfortunately, Meg Ryan is kind of oddly missing from a lot of the bonus features on the Blu-ray. And I don't know if she's just, like, not available, not interested. Um, I know that it's not that she's not proud of me. I, I'm pretty sure that she, she considers this as great a movie as the rest of us do. So I don't know what why she's not really around much, but i assuming that, like, because this movie seems to have very, like, loose, like, production. Um, yeah. In the sense that, like, like things were, things were improvised, like, uh, they did mention, like, a lot of the scenes that, like, you know, Meg Ryan would improvise and Billy Crystal would throw in lines. And um, they go, there's a really funny part where um, there's that, like, weird line about, like, Ethiopia. Do you remember <laughs> that? I think right there in, like, Boy, the that one does not age well. That's... So, no, Nora Ephron uh, is, like... It, they're back in... I think they're back in his apartment. And he's yeah, telling yeah, her yeah. about this. They're, like, rolling out the carpet and he's telling her right, about this right, horrible yeah. date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Nora Ephron's like, you know, I always get caught out on that line, but that is a Billy Crystal line. Oh, no. And she's like, because of my name is a screenplay, is. and, like, no one knows who is, like, improvising, you know. So she's like, I always get caught out on that line. Um, but she's like, I just want everyone to know that it's Billy Crystal. That's not me. Like, that's, of course, that's like, Nora Ephron would never write that line. That's, that doesn't even sound right. like a Nora Ephron line. No, it definitely. Oh my god, it was so funny. I was like dying, but um, it just seems like this movie was like, like I, I'm not gonna say that it was like kind of like totally improvised. Like I'm, sh- I, I, I know like Nora Ephron, like her structuring is impeccable. Like, um, like her shifts and tone, like everything is perfect. But I could tell that like this movie was very collaborative because all these things just felt so real because they actually happened to these people. Like, for example, the scene at the, at the football game, you know, where they're doing the wave while having the conversation about infidelity, like that was something that actually happened to, I think it was Rob Reiner after mm-hmm. his divorce. So it's like, um, and of course like Nora Ephron is exactly like Sally at restaurants, just like ordering things to the tea. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like, things like that. So it just feels very much like... This movie feels very, like, lived in. 
and yeah. um and i think it's because like everyone was just kind of like putting the input and like you have like people like carrie fisher who was like such a bright mind or was their bright mind yeah and um i'm sure she probably had you know threw in lines like i believe a lot of the kind of like miscellaneous dialogue and like the double date was improvised mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that wouldn't and surprise me. Also, and she's so good here. Like, yeah. she's so fantastic because it would be very easy for this to be a scene stealing moment. And she does, like, kind of own this sequence, but you never feel, like, drawn away from Harry and Sally. Like, you are, you know, engaged by these two and you're entertained, but it never feels like it's shifting focus too much. It's, again, I keep bringing this up, but it's, like, perfectly balanced. Like, it just feels right and it brings up something that i really like about harry and sally in this movie that even though they clearly are into each other and clearly are kind of pining for one another but also understand that like now is not the right time or it just doesn't fit but they're still looking out for one another as friends like they're like don't do it right now you know he's really sensitive she's really raw and the same thing happens when they're at the wonderful uh dinner party uh which features uh baby fish mouth sweeping the nation which is maybe the greatest line in a great movie um but they're they're both concerned about like oh this person just doesn't seem right for them and i didn't read it as like i should be with them like that may be there underneath but it does feel like i just want them to be happy i want them to be with someone good and someone who matches them and that guy's really boring and she's like a teenager and he doesn't even like sweets and all she does is make desserts like and you can feel that friendship growing and growing throughout the runtime um, yeah, so um, I agree. Like, it would be so easy to make this about jealousy, right? Like, mm-hmm. and like not like not even like a um, like it wouldn't even have to be like an overt like I'm jealous because I want to date them, but just like that like kind of sitcom thing of like, oh, like you know, you know, Ted Mosby is dating someone and Robin's upset about it because she can't <laughs> she can't name why or whatever. Um, or something like that, but like it's you're right, like it's not jealousy, it's just like act like sincere concern, which is why like this movie does a terrific job of making Harry and Sally like genuine friends, which is something that I didn't even notice until like the last couple of times I watched it because you just kind of take it for granted that they're gonna get get together. But right. it's like, you know, 1988, when they're, you know, playing Pictionary, they don't know they're getting together. So they're just, like, genuinely, um, you know, caring for each other. And it's just, like, it's so, um, it's just so, like, beautiful to watch them together. Even, like, when they're fighting, like, um, after they sleep together or, like, at the Pictionary scene, like, it's so nice to watch them because they... Like, the characters have such good, like, friendly chemistry that, like, when they do kind of take that step into, like, you know, sleeping together and stuff, it's, like, it doesn't feel that odd because it just feels... They're already so natural with each other that this is just, like, a progression versus something, like... um, I'm trying to think of, like, a movie that's, like, Friends with Benefits, um, I think, Mm -hmm. with Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. Have you seen that? Mm Mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, even in, like, in that movie, um, which I think is, like, probably, like, the closest to getting a movie, like, When Harry Met Sally, but it's, like, um, 
they're not that as natural as friends in a way because the whole and because of sex so much harder first. to play, right? The friendship yeah. is so much harder to play. Like almost any actor, these beautiful actors in Hollywood can play sexually attractive and sexually attracted, but to have that yeah. real friendship, that is really it has to be well written, well directed, and well acted for it to work. Yeah, and I really like that movie, but because they're already having sex with each other as their friends, it's like well they're not it's like the friendship doesn't seem as like platonic as it mm-hmm. does in this movie is in when Harry met sally right which is like weird yeah, thing th- to say because like obviously we're, we're, everyone's rooting for them to get together but it's like the few moments of like genuine platonic friendship are very sweet to watch like the wagon wheel fight scene because it's like <laughs> they're fighting as friends and it's like not going to end their friendship it's just gonna like um yeah i don't know it's just this movie's perfect I, like, <laughs> yeah but so here is the only like i'm really reaching here here's the only like mild negative i have in this okay. movie is the only thing that's not convincing to me is billy crystal being some kind of player uh in late 80s new york like i like billy crystal he's a decent looking guy but yeah. he's not like beautiful he's not like but this movie plays him like he is just like you know new york's you know swinging coxman like just like fucking anything that moves and like they have that whole sequence where he's like you know like she says like uh, hopefully someday we'll get to a point where we can actually take someone home and sleep with him he's like oh i slept with her like no matter how bad the date was like he's just always getting laid everywhere he goes and i'm like really yeah really crystal is he really though <laughs> Like, I, it's a little hard to see because like we don't see him on these dates, right? Um, Which I think is he smart, also by was the way. with. You know, I mean, it, it could also be that he is less like. Um, I I don't know actually. Yeah, I mean you're right. Like it, it's it's hard to imagine him like successfully getting these women into bed. Right. And I think they try and set that up at the very beginning, right? Like, you're introduced to him, like, eating this woman's face. Like, you know, and she's very, it's like, she looks very 80s, but she's stunning, right? She's absolutely gorgeous. So it's kind of setting that up to begin with. But I think it's important that his character does this for a couple reasons. One, because it, it makes it more impactful when he realizes, like, how powerful his connection with sally is but also there's a scene that we haven't talked about yet which is not only the most famous scene in this movie but one of the most famous scenes in american film ever is the is the fake orgasm at the diner right okay yeah let's talk about this yeah i think it's a good thing to talk about because i think you could look at it like oh isn't that scene so funny and it is it's a brilliantly written and stage comedic scene but i think it's also really gutsy not only because yeah. like just showing this but like telling a man in the late 80s remember this is in 2016 where people are a bit more woke but in 1989 telling not only this man but every man in the audience hey guess what here's a secret every one of you someone has faked an orgasm with you like so deal with it and i like that they just put that out there and he just kind of takes it in like kind of first disbelieving but by the end of it kind of accepting it and being like well if she could do that at a diner who am i to say so yeah i mean i think it's still very progressive 
Um, I mean, to not only show, like, a woman having an act... I mean, I know she's technically faking it, right? But it's still, she's, you know, doing it. Mm -hmm. To have, like, an active vocal orgasm like that in a mainstream movie is wild. Like, I cannot remember another time where I saw a movie like that. And, like, where I saw a scene like that. And, like, not even just played for laughs, but just, like, you know, like a sex scene. And, like, I'm... I really cannot think of anything where it's like that. Even now. Even now, yeah, exactly. I mean, usually when like, um, like the most I can think of is like Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water, because mm. um, I like she seems very like um, sexually free in that film from the from the opening scene. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. I mean, like she's like prioritizing you know her own pleasure which is mm-hmm. fabulous um but uh yeah I, mean, I really cannot think of anything else and like what's amazing about that scene is the fact that um you know meg ryan just really goes for it i mean i don't know how i mean i know how like she doesn't get an oscar nomination for this movie like i can understand why because a it's a random comedy b like a lot of her best acting in this movie like, doesn't even feel like acting because it's just a, yeah, such a natural it's performance. Yeah, so natural. Yeah. But um, and like what like one thing that I read or that I heard from this commentary that I watched is that like she was the one that insisted on like actually doing the orgasm. Like I believe the scene oh. as written was just like her talking about it, and then Meg Ryan was like, "No, like she has to do it for Harry because otherwise like it wouldn't seem real." Right. And, like, they were saying that, like, they needed a scene where, like, Sally can teach Harry something about women because he, like, his whole thing is that, like, men want to leave right after sex. And so they were like, well, we have him teaching her that about men. Now she needs to do something to teach him uh, to, like, even the kind of the scales. Otherwise, it's too much, like, this is what men's like, you know? Right. So, right, right. yeah, I mean, this scene is just so, like... Like, I mean, all credit to, like, Meg Ryan and, like, Rob Reiner because, like, the way he films it, it's just, like, it's so, like, frank on her face. And, like, right. the cuts to Billy Crystal are hysterical. <laughs> some, I mean, there's some great moments, like, <laughs> those cuts really, in a lot of ways, make the scene. Because I love the yeah, fact that at no still. point is he telling her to stop. Like, he's just yeah. kind of taking it all in, like holy like how did i get here and of course you know you have that iconic line from the woman at the table you know next to her like i'll have what she's having which has become like a part of cinema history but i also think it's really important like this scene would still work if these two had just met right Right. it's still funny it's still fantastic but the fact that this is a woman who Harry has attacked in the past by saying, like, oh, you've never had good sex. You can't have good sex with a guy named Sheldon. You're really mousy. You're really scared. You know, you're not ever going to do – yeah, you're uptight. Absolutely. You're – you know, later probably says you're high maintenance but is thinking about – thinking this about her the whole time. And for him to get schooled like this for this woman that he's been lecturing for much of their friendship – I love that moment that she gets her moment to shine and really yeah. shut him up for once. She's – and again – the she is the checks and balances for him she's right. the only one who can get him to listen and get him to shut up and that scene is a perfect example of it so yeah and like okay i'll have what she's having is hysterical of course classic iconic whatever line 
But to me, the funniest part of this scene is how she just casually goes back to eating her salad. Yes! <laughs> yes, like, me. nothing happened! There's, like, no... Like, she's, she's, like, no, like, um... There's, like, no, like, button to her, like, fake orgasm. She just, like, finishes, and then she, like, goes back to, like, eating, which I think is so funny because, like, uh, it just goes to show, like... Even if she's, like, someone who can, like, get, like, easily attached and, like, wants to be in love before sleeping with someone, it's, like, it's still just about, like, like, she still is concerned with her own pleasure, right? And her own, like, not just her own pleasure, but also, like, you know, she's doing this to prove a point, and now she's, like, kind of taking that vow of, like, I schooled you, so now I'm just going to, like, casually just go back to what I was doing. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's, like, I think yeah. it's interesting that, you know, Meg Ryan, of course, is adorable and is the perfect person to be in these romantic comedies, right? Yeah. But I think her greatest moments are when you see a little bit of the edge, a little yeah, bit of the darkness. Yeah. And, I, and I think if she was just sweet and kind and wonderful for this whole movie, then she wouldn't be a good person for Harry to be with. Because he would say terrible yeah. things and he would hurt her constantly. But I like the fact that she could take it. Like, anything he dishes out, she could take it and give it right back. Like, we talked about that, you know, the wagon wheel coffee table scene outside. Yeah. Where there, I love the fact that she never backs down. And if anything, he ends up backing down to her when he realizes he's yeah. made a terrible error. And I and like even, that. Go ahead. go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, I like the fact that she doesn't – she never backs down – from him and she never is the the girl who's like well i'm just gonna do whatever it takes to get married i guess i have to be nice now like she's like no i am my i am my own person like even going back to when she's first you know she first broke up with i think guy's name was ken or joe you know one of those standard standard white names uh like he looks so problematic i'm like it's like a who Ken is this like Wall Street guy that's probably like cheating on her, <laughs> right? And her friends are immediately trying to set her up and just being like, yeah. "Well, even if he dies, at least you can say you can be married." And I love the fact that she never buys into that. Yeah. She's like, "You know, if I'm going to be with someone, it's going to be someone I care about." Just like she says, "You know, if if I'm going to make love with someone, like that whole line, it really fits with her character, and she never yeah. backs down from that." And, like, um, the scene in the at uh, Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby's reception when they're, like, having the, like, big fight. And, like, she keeps, like, taking him further and further away from the party, which is, like, her, you know, little bit hospital corners, which is, like, a line that I really love when he calls yes. her that in, oh, in the film. Cutting. That, uh, that line is brutal. Because oh, yeah, it says so everything so without being a truly an insult, but man, yeah. that is brutal. Like, yeah. if someone ever called me that, I would be highly offended. <laughs> like, yeah. how dare you? Um, but she she keeps taking him further away from the party to, like, kind of save face, and then in the kitchen, she, like, really unloads on him. She, like, slaps him, and, like, her... Okay, like, when Sally curses, it's so startling, because, like, like, you don't expect it from her, but, like, you're right, like, Meg Ryan, like, as sweet and adorable as she is, like, she has an edge, and, like, we talked about it when we um, were talking about French Kiss earlier, uh, earlier this year, like, she just has that, she can, like, she can play so many shades to this character, and it's, like, so, um, so exciting to watch, and, like, I really think that, like, Sally is, like, the, um, 
just like the the key to the film because she's so she's so layered even though she kind of comes across as this like uptight high maintenance girl but it's like she has so many just like shades to her and like meg ryan brings them all out and like i was like i found her to be a very surprising character in the way that she reacts to situations like my one of like my favorite i think one of my favorite scenes and probably one of the hardest ones to watch though is like when she finds out that her ex-boyfriend's getting married and um she has this like uh, she has this like really brilliant like piece of acting when she's like kind of crying but like the line she's like she's like it's like funny as she's like crying and um like like when meg ryan's kind of like walking and like taking the tissue from harry throwing it taking another one it's like really great direction from rob reiner because like it's a sad scene but he keeps it funny and like just like meg ryan's like performance of like um like the way she kind of like calls herself out on these like faults and kind of like what we were talking about earlier when it's like all her insecurities are things that Harry likes about her, not because, like, not in some, like, gross way of, like, I will, like, I, he's not, like, preying on her insecurities, but just, like, he finds those things endearing about her, even though she probably has spent her whole life wondering if, like, that's what's holding her back. And just, like, the, just, like, her, like, she's so vulnerable, she's so, like, upset but it's, it's still like meg ryan's like keeping the for the performance very funny and it's such a like i mean a really amazing showcase for meg ryan and it's like so it's just so perfectly crafted like that that one scene i, I really love it and just like the way she says like he didn't want to marry me i was i like could not i was like my heart goes out to you because like we've all been there girl yes Absolutely. And I think, like, I think one of the last things I want to bring up is I'm so glad that this movie doesn't end in, you know, them both being at the same party and him very nicely dressed, too. I like that the movie kind of strips him down uh, because he needs, I mean, as terrible as this sounds, he needs to be punished, right? Because they have sex, he clearly has feelings for her, and he pretends like, whatever, man. I'm I'm above this and yeah, he finally realizes I'm not above this to the point where he's like in sweats and his scrubs like running through the streets of New York trying to get to her and he finally doesn't care what he looks like he doesn't care how he comes across he just needs to get to her and she is actually in the position of power like she's dressed up she's having you know her night out on the town even if she doesn't really want to be there and oh, he yeah. has to and her he has to like date, yeah Right. Yeah. Uh, her horrible date. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't like have to like actually beg, but he has to work for this. It's not just like I remember when I first watched it, I expect him to show up and everything to just fall into place immediately. And I like the fact that he had to convince her. He had to be like, no, I screwed up. And here's how I screwed up. And here's what I want out of this. You know, instead of just like, well, the man and the woman are together. So now we end the movie, you know. And I like the fact that, you know, we have a little coda to the movie with them sitting in those chairs and telling their stories and being very honest about who they are and what it took to get them there. Yeah, I mean, 
I think that's a really interesting analysis of that final scene. And, like, I've always liked that he wasn't in a tux or he wasn't mm-hmm. in a suit. Like, he just was very much, like, like dressed down. And, like, I mean, I like what you're saying about her having the power because, you know, in all of these um, kind of, like, romantic declarations, like, it's always the woman who... Or it's usually the woman who's reacting to it. And I guess, like... On paper, yeah, she has the power to say no, but it's like she doesn't, obviously. Um, because, like, I think that, like, I, I feel like there are few writers who could pull off, like, a scene like this where there is such a, like, um, such, like, somewhat of an edge to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, like, it's not as, like, um, it's not really the fairy tale ending that one would expect because you know like he doesn't look perfect you know she's like she's like still mad at him but still loves him and it's like it's not like the like like I don't know it's not this like big kind of grand thing like it's very even though it is but it's like it's still played authentically it's not like it's not some, like, kind of tacked-on Hollywood ending. Like, it just feels very right. much like... It feels earned. And I think because we spent the last hour and a half and the last 12 years with these people and, like, their friendship. Um, and so it's kind of, like... It's cathartic in a way because it's, like, all this build-up has led to this, like, mm-hmm. reconciliation. And it's, yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah, and and I think you kind of edged up to like a really great point that this is not a grand gesture. He doesn't like, he's not up there with the band. He doesn't sing a song to her. He doesn't like, you know, steal a fire truck. He doesn't, there's not these big moments. It's a small gesture, but he says exactly what she needed to hear. And it's true. Like, I like the fact that within that speech, there's this moment of like, you know, I like the fact that your forehead creases when you're looking at me, like I'm crazy. Like you are right now, right? Yeah. It's these small. It's these small to anyone else insignificant things. So it's not this grand gesture. It's just the grand gesture is him showing up, right? right? Him tracking her down and saying this to her. But what he's saying is actually very small, but it has a lot of depth to it. So I, that's another thing I like about this in comparison to other romantic comedies because sometimes that grand gesture that big thing like you watch it now you watch romantic comedies from the 80s or even more recent you watch them now and you're like that's that's kind of creepy stalker behavior like stop being outside my window with a boombox. what are you doing get out of here and this is just like let me let me tell you how i feel and then we'll see where we go from there which is like that's real. That's relationships. That's love. It's yeah. like those small things. It's not the like, I'm going to love you till the day I die. You know, I would, I'll, I'll commit suicide if, if you're not with me. Like, it's not these grand, huge, dangerous things. It's the small things. You know, it's the way you order your food. It's, it's the way your face changes when you look at me. Like, these are the, that's what love is. Like, that's the yeah. pure love that this movie is really going after that is still rooted in that friendship. Yeah, and I mean, I like that this movie does, like, kind of touch on, you know, these kind of, like, rom-com cliches, but, like, does it in a way that's not as, like, um, like, it doesn't feel as, uh, like, stereotypical. And, um, And, yeah, I mean, I feel like the ending, I mean, it's such a, like, 
um, it's such a great ending because like you know you like a movie that kind of ends on New Year's Eve, you kind of can feel like what that feels like, and um, you can kind of like understand what that might look like. But this movie kind of plays it so offhandedly. Um, like I mentioned on Twitter, which I think you probably saw, is how like the the clock strikes midnight and they're like in the middle of this conversation and like um, and they're, they're not even saying Happy New Year to each other. They're just kind of like right. it's just like in the background. And like I, know, I just like that because it feels like that's a like, great this is point. Like one that's actually story. yeah, that's totally indicative of why this movie is so great, right? They don't like kiss on the toll of midnight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The movie just keeps going. Cause life keeps going, man. You, right. Sometimes the conversation doesn't end at 1159 and 58 seconds. So you can lean right. in for the kiss. Sometimes yeah. it's at 1201 and 17 seconds. So we got to finish this man. We, right. we got to talk this out. And I love that. So Manish, this is your episode. This is your movie. So is there anything we haven't covered? What are your last words on when Harry met uh, Sally, the greatest romantic comedy of all time. Yeah, uh, no pressure. Just a couple things like um, I want to shout out Harry Connick Jr. on the soundtrack, doing these kind of like um, old kind of jazz standards, like the theme song to this podcast. It had to be you, um, yep. and don't get around much anymore and stuff like that. And it's just like um, I just love his voice. It feels so like. It feels so contemporary to the to the time this movie was made, even though it's like um, he's like singing. It's like uh, he's singing all these kind of like classic songs, but in kind of like a more contemporary style, which like feels like this movie is kind of very classic, but also very fresh. Um, so it's a good match. Love Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby. I really love their. Um, I kind of like love how they just kind of like click and they're just like automatically like together forever after like seeing each other like yeah. for like one night and like I just think that's like so weird and like not realistic but I actually have friends who like kind of knew each other but then like one night they hung out and like since then they've been inseparable and now they're mm. getting married in a year and a half nice. so and it's like I hate them for that because I'm like hello <laughs> it doesn't happen in real life <laughs> how dare you <laughs> God, yeah, that was even there when they met, and we could all tell. It was so. It was actually really embarrassing for all of us. Uh, they don't listen to this podcast, so I know it's okay. Um, also, the costume design, um, which is not something I really noticed, but in the commentary, um, Rob Reiner brought it up, and I was like, uh, I was like, oh yeah, this this movie has a really, very um, very natural costume. It's by a woman named. Gloria Gresham, who was kind of like working here and there in this time period, but wanted to give her a shout out because I feel like this movie doesn't get a lot of credit for its costuming, mm-hmm. especially like Meg Ryan's clothes. I mean, she always looks so fabulous, but just like not in like a costume design kind of way. It's like right. everything about this movie just feels like I guess this can this can be my last point, but like everything about this movie is so perfectly designed. But it doesn't feel designed in a way that it comes across as design, you know? And right. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels so, like, authentic, so natural, so vibrant. But I never felt like they were trying to do this. And I I have I have such an appreciation for how, like, effortless this film is. And, like, even though, like, clearly a lot of effort went into it, but um, it's just, like, 
I don't know. It's like it's so comforting, but there's so much to explore and dig into, and I'm like excited to see like what this movie is going to be like for me in like five, ten, thirty years, you know? Right. And just yeah, I mean, I really, I really like cannot like express just like how much this movie is so special to me, even though we just spent the last like hour or two. I think we got close. I think. Yeah, but it's just like I don't know, it's just like I don't know, it's just so like it's such a perfect movie. Like that's all I can really say. And like yeah. you know, of all the movies that I've covered on this podcast, like I was really excited to get to this one at some point and I'm glad that like I'm glad that I'm doing it with you because, you know, you love romantic thank comedies you. as much as I do and um, especially this one. So thank you yeah. so much for uh, doing this with me. Of course, yeah. And one last bit of trivia. Uh, this movie shot by director of photography, Barry Sonnenfeld. Uh, yes, so oh yes, I was, forgot to pretty, mention that. I saw that. I didn't know that until this watch. Like, I was just watching the credits at the start of the movie. I was like, what? <laughs> like, how did I not know this? It's always so cool to see people kind of move up uh, on the kind of film food chain, like if you watch some of the older movies. So, yeah. But, uh, but Manish, it was it was an honor to uh, host this episode uh, for you. Um, I'm glad you got to talk about this perfect romantic comedy. And everyone, I mean, if you're listening to the show, you're probably following already. But if you're not, you should be following uh, the show on Twitter. It's just at itpodwu. Um, so Manish, where can where can they follow you? Uh, on Twitter before we head out, like your personal account, which is really where all the gold is at. This is this is who they should be following. Gold or fake gold? Um, I mean, you know, we'll leave that up to them. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Manish eighty nine, and also my writing at Talk Film Society. And yes, please do follow the podcast. Um, I would really appreciate that. Yeah, and although, you know, you've reached your pinnacle with your 20th episode and having me as a host, I'm sure there will be another episode of another great romantic comedy with another great guest who just isn't me. I mean, who can live up? But there's more to come from it pod to be in. Yes. Um, Dave, where can people find you online? Oh, that. Yeah, you can find me at Dave A. Giannini. Good luck, good luck spelling that. Uh, but I'd really love it if you followed my podcast, the podcast directed by, and that's just at Directed by Pod. Are you guys ever going to do Rob Reiner? That is actually on. That's that's actually on the schedule. We will be doing Rob Reiner at some point in 2020. A highly underrated director. If you go on IMDb and look at his body of work, there's a like five movie run there that rivals just about anybody working. Yeah, like, but then his the streak like, ends in like 1995. Yeah, and then he just stops. Like it's just, like the last one yeah. was like American President. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good. <laughs> it might be overreaching a little bit, especially when you compare it to when Harry met Sally, but there's some good stuff there, so we'll, we'll find some stuff to talk about with Rob Ryder for sure. Yeah, um, and please uh, rate, review, subscribe to both this podcast and Dave's podcast, because more people should be listening to his, uh, because it's wonderful. You guys are in the middle of Scorsese, who... 
I don't, know, I don't know if he's like in the news lately or whatever. Your favorite director, the one you always want to talk about. Yes, yes, we are in our second month of Scorsese, so we are wrapping that up. And then uh, I won't say who, but we will be covering one of Manisha's very favorite directors in December. So stay tuned. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, David, thank you again. I had a lovely time chatting to you about this movie. And to listener, thank you so much for listening. Tomato and you like tomato potato potato tomato tomato let's call the whole thing off but oh if we call the whole thing off then we must call it and oh if we have a fun thing that might break my heart oh so if you like pajamas Pajamas. You got pajamas. Oh, we, we know.